Welcome to Equip This Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Desiree Levy. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. So tonight, um, I'm just going to go straight in there. Is that okay? You know, no big preamble, no warming up illustrations. We're just going to go for it. Um, I have titled this message tonight, The Big Friendly Giant, and um, have a picture from childhood. I don't know if anyone studied this book at school, but it was the BFG by Roald Dahl. And um, the whole concept is this, this cute little girl. Anyone see her? She looks like a fairy down in the corner. And um, she befriends this giant. But this giant is not like all the other giants because he does not want to eat humans. In the story, most of the giants ate humans. <laughs> but this giant in particular didn't want to eat humans. And um, I want to talk tonight about a giant that can sometimes in our lives seem a little scary, seem a little large, seem like it's going to eat us, but actually it could be our friend. And that is our finances. I want to talk about the big friendly giant of finance. Um, You know, if you're anything like me, um, I sometimes ask myself this question, can my faith and my finances mix? Surely one is just practical, logical, and done in Excel. And the other is in the Bible and takes a whole lot more faith and takes more experimenting and time. And um, I was being introduced the other day by a colleague um, from Auckland. We were meeting with BNZ Bank and we were on Zoom and we were talking about some really boring but super important things. And um, it's just part of what I do. So I'm an accountant and um, I'm the CFO for the movement that we're part of. And um, he was trying to introduce me and he was like, this is Desiree and she's our CFO and oh yeah, she's also a pastor. And then everyone just cracked up laughing. And, um, And we were all giggling about it because it's a really crazy combination sometimes to think that you would have your finances and your faith in one big melting pot. And you'd just put that thing in there and hope for the best. Um, But I want to merge these worlds for us tonight. I want us to add some faith into our finances. And um, we're in a teaching series at the moment called Beyond Blessed. And um, it's based on three books by Robert Morris. And the big idea here is that we can be blessed in all areas of our lives. There's some biblical principles that we need to walk in, but God truly wants to bless us beyond what we thought was possible. And, um, you know, this is a deliberate teaching series right now. I see you, inflation. I see you, high interest rates. I see you, cost of living crisis. This is a deliberate teaching series because do you know what we're told in the Bible? Go in the opposite spirit. So whenever you feel restriction, whenever you feel lack, whenever you feel like the world is closing in around you, the biblical response, the faith response, the spiritual response is to go, I'm pushing through. I'm going to give. I'm going to go beyond. I'm going to act in the opposite spirit. And so it's about being more blessed to give than it is to receive, to sow and not think about the reaping. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I want us to read this scripture in Genesis 12, verses 2. And we read, you can pick it up in your, um, in your books or your Bibles, because do you know what? I just put the actual like, reference up tonight. I thought I'd make things a bit complicated. So, you know, I'll just read it to you. Um, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. He wants you to live with his flow, his presence, his anointing, his power, his grace, his blessing coming out of your life and into those that you rub shoulders with, that you do life with. 
And we've been unpacking these um, principles of generosity and stewardship and understanding that the two of them need to walk side by side, otherwise you walk lopsided. And generosity is when you give, expecting nothing in return. And stewardship is when you look after what someone else has entrusted you with and you look after it well and you bring a return. So generosity and stewardship. And we need both in our life, otherwise we're going to walk around in circles. You know, it's like when you get ready for work or school or university in the morning, you brush your teeth and you brush your hair, right? You can't just brush your hair and then say, why have I got cavities? You actually need to do both of the things. And it's the same with generosity and stewardship. We don't want to just live a super generous life and forget to manage things well. But we also don't want to get so tied up in managing things well that we are not generous. So we need to both operating in our lives. Otherwise, we're going to go around and around and around in circles. Um, I'm going to personalize this message for a moment. And all examples that I'm using tonight, I have permission to use. So (laughs) um, Will and I, we met a long, long time ago. So this is a story about us. Um, We were 21. And um, we actually met when we were 17. But we were 21 when we got married. And, um, you know, if I look back at the 21-year-old versions of ourselves... He was probably the picture of generosity, um, and I was probably the picture of stewardship. So he was super generous, just like, whatever, everyone have it, here it is. And I was like, frugal, let's live on a budget. (laughs) And I was really conscious of all of that. And neither of us walked well. We actually limped kind of through life. And we had to learn how to let generosity and stewardship operate in equal measure in our lives. Um, When we got married, we moved in together, and um, we were cleaning out some drawers, and I opened up some stuff of wills, and I found a lot of unopened bank statements. It was upsetting to me. (laughs) I was horrified, in fact. And um, so in my um, frugal stewardship slash super controlling behavior, I closed all of his bank accounts and just put his name on mine and said, here we go. (laughs) Away we go. And we laugh about it now, and we do laugh about it now, but I was too concerned with all of the plan and the purpose and the frugal and the tight and the budget, but he was not concerned enough, and there has to be a happy medium. There has to be a coming together in the middle. I like to think that Will taught me about generosity, and I taught him about stewardship. Living within our means, on a budget, but giving generously to people as often as we could. So tonight I've got five suggestions, some of them are really short, to help us merge our faith in with our finances. Is that okay? (coughs) Five suggestions. The first is, would you invite God into the conversation? When it comes to finances and stewardship and generosity, do we invite God into the conversation? Or have we flicked straight into management mode or ignorance mode? Let's invite him into the conversation. One of my favorite passages of scripture is found in 1 Kings 17. And it's the story of a widow. And it's a widow who gives and she is and gives generously, even when she's in the midst of lack. And I think there's some really awesome principles that we can take away from this story about how to invite God into the conversation, no matter what our circumstances look like. I'll just read it to us from verse 8 of um, 1 Kings 17. 
the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, oh, bring me some bread too. And she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised. It's the season in the spirit that matters more than the season in the natural. And in the spirit, even though she was naturally in a season of lack, in the spirit, she was alive, she was awake, she was listening to God, she was hearing him in the midst of everything. And she still was able to live generously in that space. Her offering kept the prophet alive. The kingdom of God is just upside down. <laughs> it just works different than how we think it does. And we must live differently. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know, the widow responded in faith with generosity. She refreshed Elijah. And in return, the oil and the flour did not run out. She saw a miracle in her own life on the other side of generosity. Generosity opens so many doors to things that we didn't even think was possible. And perhaps God knows more about what you need than you do. And on the other side of that generosity could be something, something magnificent just from him. Will we step into faith? Will we invite God into the conversation? I know it's hard sometimes when it doesn't look like it's going to add up. Can I encourage you? Invite God into the conversation. Open the door for him to do a miracle, to take you out the other side of your generosity into miracle territory. Secondly, legacy. Let's live with legacy in mind. What... Um, what financial legacy are you creating with your life? The way you speak about finances, the way you spend, how you lead your home, your family, your friends. What sort of culture are you creating about money? Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. You know, this verse to me just speaks to keep the vision, keep the big picture, the big picture. <laughs> what are we trying to do here? We're trying to leave a legacy for others to walk in, a place of strength, a platform to launch from, a place that they can operate in. And inheritance is not just limited to money. I'm talking about an attitude of heart. I'm talking about a belief. I'm talking about a witness to miracles, to seeing doors busted open, to God breaking in on your circumstances. You know, I've got a, a real life example here. I have a couple of photos from my sister. Um, this is how my sister and her kids do pocket money in their house. 
Um, and she's focusing on the idea of teaching them how to live lives that are not just for themselves, but um, understanding that everything that they have is a blessing, and they then should bless others with it. And um, each week she gets the right amount of cash out of the bank. They have these little money boxes that you can see up here. This is Noah's one. Spend, save, give. <laughs> And um, each week she gets the right amount of cash out from the bank. How frustrating and annoying, but she does it. And um, they have these little money boxes and they get to put a coin into each of the sections. This is her catching up because she hadn't done it for a few weeks. <laughs> so that was her catching up with the piles of coins. Um, and they get to spend the spend box and they get to save the saves box and watch it growing to a bigger amount that they could then buy something more substantial with. So not just lollies from the dairy, but actually like a bike or something awesome that they save up for. And then the give box is to buy things for other people to give them away. And they personally go to the shop themselves and they choose the things that they want to spend their give money on and they've chosen the person that they want to give it to and then they go and they give it to that person. And, um, and they see that they've got this opportunity to be generous um, with the money that their parents have earned but are teaching them something to do. And, you know, this doesn't just happen. Like good um, practice like this, like good um, biblical principles and, and a legacy that she's leaving for these kids, that doesn't just happen. She has to be diligent and she has to be disciplined enough to actually stick to like, hey, here's, here's your money, here's the chores that you need to do this week, here's where you've, and then get the money out of the bank and then, you know, put the right things in the right parts. And um, she's told so many hilarious stories about taking bags of coins to Rebel Sport to buy something significant, you know, $200 worth of coins that the kid's been saving for two years. You know, like, she's like, it's a little bit embarrassing at that point, <laughs> but it's the principle, it's the idea here that she's, they've seen how it works. They understand that you, you save and then you get the thing that you're wanting for. Leaving a legacy, attitude, experiences, lived experiences. Number three. You shall not murder. So I'm talking about creating a budget. <laughs> now everyone's like, oh, I want to kill you right now, Desiree. But no, <laughs> if you don't live on a budget, you're going to kill your future. Yeah. And if you live too tight on a budget, you're going to kill your present. So the whole idea is let's find a happy medium. Let's find something that we can actually live with, that we can actually live comfortably, but we're also thinking about the future. One of the greatest lines um, I heard in relation to living on a budget was from a friend of mine, and she just said one day, I have discovered that there is great freedom in restraint. When I build these restraints around my life and I budget, I then get to live free knowing that everything's kind of taken care of. Isn't that amazing? Thinking about how restraint brings actual freedom to our lives. You know, a budget's just a plan. It's just a map. It's just telling our money what to do rather than wondering where it's gone at the end of every week. It's actually just having a purpose for our finances. It's using our finances to serve our vision, not the other way around. There's loads of scriptures around budgeting. Um, one of my favorites is Proverbs 21 verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. And in Genesis, the whole story of Joseph you know, he stored up excess in the years of plenty so that in the years of famine and not enough, they could use the reserves that they'd built up in the previous years. 
You know, I like to have um, practical applications to messages, and, um, and so if you are wondering, my gosh, where do I even start with that, Desiree? What does a budget even look like in my current season? I've created a template, a simple template that you can um, change, merge, use, whatever you want to do, and if you'd like a copy of that, please just pop your name down at the resource desk, and we can email it to you um, over the week. And the budget is really just step one. Then we actually have to start living towards it. <laughs> but at least we've got a bit of an idea. Hey, this is how much comes in. This is how much is going out. Where do I need to spend this? How can I divvy this up? How can I split it? And, you know, if you wanted to take, like, a big picture view of your finance and of your budget, I would say there's kind of this big overarching principle that would be really useful. This is your total income here. I broke it into a pie chart, people. 10% <laughs> giving. 10% longer-term savings, like retirement or future or house or those kind of things, and 10% short-term savings, like holidays or those bigger items that you're wanting, and then try and live off 70%. Now, I know that sounds like an ideal picture, and you've got to have more than enough in the first place for this to take place, but if you've got a plan, you can start working your way towards a picture like this, and you won't believe the freedom of mind and the freedom of heart that enters your life when you start to live understanding that you've already set aside for your future, for the bigger things that you need. You're not just running from week to week to week, but you've actually got a plan, and then watch what the freedom that comes into your heart. Is that okay? Yeah. Everyone still with me? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay, number four, um, contentment. Um, learning to be content. Not always needing the next thing, not always wanting the next thing, not always looking over the fence at what somebody else might have. Um, Philippians 4, verses 10 to 19, and this is Paul writing. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've been concerned for me always, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I love this passage of scripture. So heartwarming, so kind, such great principles in here. And Paul's writing this letter from house arrest in Rome. He's been shipwrecked. He's been marooned on an island. Now he's in house arrest for two years. And he would have absolutely nothing if it were not for the gifts from the people. Other people had to do everything for you when you were on house arrest. It was basically prison, chained to a guard 24-7. And I love how he writes, I praise the Lord. And that to me is such a challenge, like that he would praise in the midst of those kind of circumstances. And the secret to living that kind of way is just to place your faith in God. He writes in there, he will supply all your needs. I have more than enough. 
And he writes, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in. You know, we wouldn't have many of the books in the New Testament without this house arrest season for Paul. And I reckon that he didn't run into it thinking, oh, goody, writing time. (laughs) But he took the opportunity as it was presented to him and found the joy and the fun and the awesomeness in that current season that he found himself in. And I love that he meshes all of that generosity with that trait of kindness. And he says, hey, I don't need any more, but I just want you to be blessed. I just want you to know how kind your gift was. Thank you for sharing with me. He had all he needed and more than enough. We can learn to live like that too. Contentment, settled in our spirit, faith in God, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. We just sung about it tonight. You're good and you're working it out, God. That's how we learn to live content in any circumstance. And then fifth and finally tonight, live honestly. Exodus 20, verse 15, you shall not steal. I thought it wouldn't be complete without just saying, hey, let's not steal. It's a great biblical principle, a great financial suggestion for how we can live with this big friendly giant of finances. Let's live honestly. Worship team, you can come and join me. You know, um, tonight, I, the cry of my heart, the hope, that I had would be that we would lay a platform, we'd suggest some things based on the Bible, some good ideas about how we can do this thing, but that most of all you would know that God is ultimately in control and that your heart would be flooded with hope in this space, that no matter what you find yourself in, what circumstances you find yourself in right now, God is good and he can work it out. Would you come to him? Would you invite him into the conversation? Would you open up your heart and choose to live a life of legacy, a life of contentment, a life of generosity, but one that you also learn to steward well, that you build the banks of your life strong so that you can operate with freedom and there's no restraint. Maybe God's whispering to your heart tonight, hey, fear not, I am with you. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Just invite him into this conversation, this giant that might be in your life right now. Just open the door and say, God, come on in. You're never too old, you're never too young to just have this faith that's mixed with your finances. We say, God, I know you're in control. I come before you. I ask for your help in this space. Show me how to steward well what you've entrusted with me. You know, with the widow of Zarephath, I pray that your circumstances are not as dire as hers. But wherever and however and whatever situation you find yourself in right now, it's the season in the spirit that really matters. That's going to see you walk out the other side. That's going to see you walk into miracle territory. And it's a choice that we get to make. Let's live in faith when it comes to finance. Let's live with our eyes wide open to the promises of God, the blessing of God, remembering that He wants to pour it out so that we can pour it out to those that we do life with. I wonder if we could stand. I'm just going to pray for us and then we'll close with a song of praise. I'm just going to pray. 
that in your personal circumstance, there would be a new level of faith and hope that rushes into your financial situation and that you'd hear God in the midst of it. There'd be some miracles waiting for you to unpack this week, some blessings that you just weren't even aware of. It's gonna catch you off guard this week because God is good and he's working it out. Mighty God, tonight, I pray that you would just breathe fresh hope and faith into every single heart. That there would be miracles for us to unpack this coming week, mighty God. That you are so good. You are always working it out. You hold our whole worlds in your hand and we can trust you. I pray, God, that you would show us how to live this balanced life full of generosity and stewardship. That you would take us by the hand, God, and walk us into the future that you've got planned for us, full of contentment and leaving a legacy for those that come after us. I pray your richest blessings upon all of your people, God. I pray that where there is lack and not enough, there would be a turnaround in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that there would be a coming together, a working it out, a more than enough, a miracle. Thank you for your love towards us. Thank you that you care. And I pray that you would just bless your people in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.